Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. Given that the grid application window is now open, we've decided to take a step back into helping people apply for their grid programmes. We've released episodes last year and those are still available for those of you who are interested in paediatric emergency medicine, in neonates, in community and a number of other areas. There were some fields that we weren't able to cover last year so we're going to try and cover them now and we're going to start with infectious disease and immunology. This week I was joined by Dr Ben Shilito, so he's a GRID trainee in infectious disease and immunology based in Sheffield and is about to take up a consultant post there in the next few months. He's going to talk us through applying for and interviewing for the GRID programme if you're thinking of that specialty. Anyway, let's get started. So, um, hi Ben, uh, thank you for joining us here at Dragon Bites. Ah, no worries, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for donating some of your time to let us know a bit about applying to and interviewing for, for ID and immunology. Um, I thought we'd get to know you to begin with. Yeah. So do you mind just telling me a bit about your sort of medical career to date? Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm still in Newcastle and I went to Newcastle from university. So I've been here uh, 18 years now, so half my life essentially. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did my five years at Newcastle. Always wanting to do paediatrics. I, was always going, I went to university wanting to do paediatrics. So I did my foundation training. I just got that done. And then I applied to paediatrics and applied to nothing else. So I was always going to, I always wanted to do, I always wanted to do paediatrics. But at that point, I had no idea about speciality. And so here I'm going to own it. I ended up in immunology. So I, it was my the email came around for your ST2 SHO rotations. Hmm. And I simply forgot to fill the email in. And so I, I got the last rotation on the list, and it was immunology and surgery. And so that's how essentially I ended up doing the job, and I had absolutely no idea. And my colleagues so we were in pairs, and my colleague wanted to do surgery. So I said, I'll swap. I'll just do six months of immunology then. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But then essentially from that one rotation, I was completely hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll discuss it later also in terms of how immunology is structured in the UK. Obviously, very lucky to do it at Newcastle. And I was completely hooked. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I said uh, to, the, to, the, to the staff there, obviously, I've come in here not knowing anything about it. But this is what I want to do. And they were just incredibly supportive because, as we'll come to later, it's a fairly intensive process to mm-hmm. show an interest and get a career in this. But they supported me. And so, so, so one of the outcomes of that. So after that, after that rotation, again, uh, I was helped gearing up towards a PhD. And again, I had no research background at all. I'd never mm-hmm. published or written anything, but um, the staff at Newcastle got me set up with funding and a PhD for someone with no experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's quite important. It's, it's, it's relatively competitive, even for a registrar interview. So essentially, I did the PhD so I could, so I could even get a registrar interview. Oh, even wow. before that. So yeah, it's relatively, especially for immunology, I would say it's quite difficult because it's so rare and niche it is difficult to show your, your interest and your commitment to the speciality but thankfully yes I, and, and then so thankfully there was a job to apply for so that's the second thing mm. um and so yes and i got my um grid registrar job so it's also in pediatrics it's, it's grid training so that was um three years ago now 
And so, yes, I've been doing my three years uh, at Newcastle. Obviously, I'm definitely more immunology themed. So half of that was in bone marrow transplant. And then thankfully, yeah, towards the end of that, I've just accepted a consultant job uh, in Sheffield. And so yeah. that, that's, that's what I just got to now. Well, congratulations. We'll start yeah, there. Thanks very much. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's what we all want at the end of the year. It is. It's made no difference. It all comes to it, but then you finally get in. Yeah, it feels, it feels wow. great. Yeah. Uh, have you started yet, or is the job coming up in next? No, so March. Yes, yeah. so, so, so I'm, I'm going straight. There's no grace period. I'm going straight from CCT, which is the first of March, 2022, and then I'll be moving, starting pretty much straight away, Sheffield. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Amazing. That sounds amazing. So. Um, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions from from what you were saying there. So I yeah. mean, it sounds like you got into pediatrics before you even, you know, like so early on, you were yeah. you got into. So what was it about pediatrics that that drew drew you in so early on? It's really interesting. Yeah. So when when I, you know, in high school and six months, so when I thought about medicine and why I wanted to do medicine, it was always pediatrics. I never. I never wanted to do adult medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, don't, so I don't know what it was. It, it, you know, from the age of 14, 15, when I sat on this sat on this road, I suppose, it was always paediatric medicine. I'd done some volunteer work at a local hospice, but maybe that was part of it. But it was just, I suppose, a few things. I think one, working with families as well as just the person involved. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that's quite important, especially now, coming, obviously, with our patients, more chronic diseases. I think getting to know the whole family is a particular um, advantage of paediatrics. That's something I really, I really enjoy. Um, and it's, it's, it, sounds, it sounds a bit, a bit corny, but, but watching a lot of these patients grow up, isn't it? So, you know, if you meet these patients at birth sometimes or shortly after, especially in immunology, we'll, 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 we'll discharge them when they're 18 or even, even later in some cases. Wow. <laughs> um, so it really is. And I think that's quite a, it's quite a privilege, I think, um, to be involved in somebody's life over their most formative years, I think. Uh, and then also, especially, you know, coming towards my speciality, also I think, I think one of the challenges in paediatrics, isn't it, especially if you need acute medicine in A&E, mm-hmm. is you get 100 children and to pick out the one person, isn't it, with that rare or serious uh, disease. And I enjoy that challenge. Yeah. Because um, um, it, it paediatrics is challenging, isn't it? We're, we're limited... As I say, the, the first challenge is to recognise that one that one in a hundred is some, you know out of the ninety nine snotty kids in A and E, one's mm-hmm. got something, one's got sepsis, hasn't it? Yeah. And the challenge then we can't you, you can't you can't you know you can't do a liver puncture on all hundred of them, can you? It's not adult medicine, so you know. <laughs> so I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy that challenge, um, and I think it's probably those two things that brought it to me. And then obviously later on when I discovered immunology, that, that just further cemented that. But yeah, so I when I I went to university, wanted to do paediatrics. And if at ST I hadn't got a paediatric job, I don't know what I'd have done. I did not apply for any other specialities at ST1. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's commitment. Uh, yeah. And, you know, but it's great. It's, you know, some people, when they know what they want early on and yeah. they can go straight for it, that's amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you got into it. So, so I yeah, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all worked out. Yeah, it's all worked yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the other thing I wanted to get on to, because it sounds like you you landed in immunology just by happenstance. Absolutely. So, uh, so what was it, you know, when you were doing the job, it seems to have drawn you in uh, enough yeah. to want to do all this other stuff, do research and a PhD, yep. all to get onto the grid. So what was it about the job that drew you in so much? Yes, I say, so I the training and the job, it's immunology and ID, but clearly I'm definitely more of an immunologist. And so, mm-hmm. also, so in terms of how the UK set up, 
Newcastle, the Great Northern Hospital in Newcastle and Great Ormond Street are the only two centres in the UK that do bone marrow transplant to curative therapy mm-hmm. and perhaps one of, I don't know, six or ten in the world, essentially. Um, and so I had a very lucky uh, experience to be exposed to what essentially is, you know, cut, what is at times often cutting edge medicine or often, you know, you know, medicine definitely on the edge of what, what our knowledge is sometimes often beyond. I think I don't. I don't think I realised before doing that job. That's what that's that's what my interests were. Mm. It wasn't something I thought about, and I quickly realised that that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed working with rare diseases. I think uh, again, not quite realising it, but I think I did enjoy more of a scientific uh, application rather than uh, perhaps more clinical skills. I did enjoy that scientific approach to it. Um, uh, so later on, yes, I, th- I think I'm definitely more suited to that rather than say something more acute like a uh, or general paediatrics. And then again, I, I say I had no research, I had no research experience, but this job you have to do research of some description, be it a formative qualification or not. And again, I, just, I enjoyed that process of uh, you know scientific reasoning, experiments, and applying that to our knowledge and disseminating that knowledge throughout. Wow. And, and we might have touched on this already a bit, um, but what what do you find the most rewarding part of the job you do? It's difficult, isn't it? I think there's only two aspects to that. Um, I think working. I think first of all, if you do any specialty in paediatrics with rare diseases, I think it is quite rewarding to help these families where they may be one of a few in the country. Obviously, I think you know there's lots of other common diseases which get lots of support and they're readily di- quickly diagnosed. And I think some of these families at times have challenges getting the diagnosis for their child and then getting the support. So often these families have been through a delayed process, and it, you know months. It can often be years at times, and it is rewarding to be able to apply the knowledge that I've now built up. And to reach a diagnosis where others haven't, and to offer that therapy, yeah. and then especially with the these children, you know, can be critically unwell at times. And I suppose compared to again other colleagues in their rare specialities, we have the option, albeit it has risks, we can we we can offer them a complete cure with bone marrow transplant. And yes, it's a rocky period, yeah. But the idea, the idea being, you know, in 18, 24 months' time, their child could be as fit and well as my children. And I think that's, and it's, just, it's so rewarding to see. And I say, we never discharge our patients until talking to later. So I still, in our follow-up clinic, I'm seeing 18, 20-year-olds bringing their, bringing their own children in, having had their bone marrow transplant 20 years ago. And it, it is, it's just really rewarding to see, you know, bringing some of these children back from the brink, essentially, mm-hmm. and offering them complete cure with no, lo- you know, very minimal long-term uh, side effects. That's incredible. I yeah. can imagine just how rewarding that would be. Yeah, like I'm an, as you well know, I'm an ED trainer. Yeah. So the, this is it's a, an aspect of the career we never really get to to enjoy seeing this like the long term benefit of the incredible yeah. things you've done. Wow. Um, so um, I want to get on to the actual, um, you know, the the immunology and ID job. Um, so having been, you, you've basically come up the other side of the training program now. So the actual grid training program in and of itself, what does that involve? What, what yeah. posts do you do? Yeah, so, so, so it's, now, it's now three years. Hmm. Um, you will be assigned to a single centre, uh, unlike some of the specialities, although you will have to spend some time at other centres to gain experience. So for instance, if you're not doing 
an immunology grid training post and ID at somewhere that doesn't offer transplant. You'd have to come to Newcastle for a short period of time to get that experience. Uh, conversely, for instance, obviously uh, to get some further infectious disease experience, so for instance HIV, we also go to London to spend a few weeks there. But predominantly, it's at one. It's at one centre, and as a outside of um, Newcastle and London, it will be predominantly infectious diseases based. Uh, I think it'd be fair to say um, there will be there will be some those centres will still be the first port of call for immunology patients, but the majority of immunology patients will at some point be transferred to Newcastle, London for their mm-hmm. bone marrow transplant. So it's predominantly infectious diseases. It's, yeah, so, so a lot of in and outpatient work. Um, so certainly, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, you'll be you'll be directly managing patient, children with complex diseases. But you'll also, a large part of the job is then offering advice to the, that hospital and the region. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of phone calls to, not, not so much the immunology, but definitely for infectious disease advice. Uh, you're often the first port of call, I think, um, Often, micro, the, other, the, other, the other alternative would be microbiology, but I think they sometimes, if they don't have pediatric experience, they can struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, lots of I get lots of phone calls from district generals uh, for infectious disease advice, and that's definitely increased a lot with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so, that's probably the crux of the work. Uh, as I say, I wanted to do immunology, so that's why I stayed at Newcastle. And even, and I would say that even though it's an ID immunology training post you're clearly going to be geared towards one or the other. And the majority of trainees will be mainly ID-themed rather than immunology-themed. Right. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the crux, uh, unless the, the trainees like myself and the four or five others who are at Newcastle and London, clearly we are getting 10 times the immunology experience compared, yeah. to, compared to the trainees. And similarly, there were definitely more infectious diseases trained. So definitely, yeah, as my career has progressed and my consultant job application, I geared that towards immunology. But people will still come to Newcastle for one or two weeks to gain some experience, but they'll, they'll be mainly at their one centre. Uh, and, and do you do any sort of like um, adjacent training posts during it, or does it all just focus on immunology and infectious disease? Yeah, so for the time being, you'll you'll dual CCT in general paediatrics. So right. yeah, you will have to do your general paediatric. And, and for the, the majority, of it, it'll differ from centre to centre. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, the, the, the colleagues I've worked with, uh, that, that that the general it, that consists of you, you you're contributing to the middle grade uh, registrar on call rota, mm-hmm. which can be challenging at times in terms of fitting your training in. And I'm not, I'm not sure it's like for you, but certainly I think we found that I and E has been incredibly busy these last twelve months, mm-hmm. and that's definitely put, that's definitely put pressure. I think on all grid trainees, um, I think. Uh, so when I so at New, if you ever go to Newcastle, London, actually we I spend half my time on the transplant unit, and then I so I go on there on call rotor, so I don't do the general pediatric on calls during that time, and that 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 is a lot easier because that time I can use more towards my training, mm-hmm. to put it bluntly. Um, but yeah, you will have to dual CCT, and that will mean doing general pediatric on calls. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And and you know we you've mentioned this a couple of times. And I just can't help but want to ask a bit more about it because you've done infectious diseases and immunology at yeah. one of the most exciting times. You know, it's it's a really sad time, but a really exciting time in terms of those things. How, how has that been? So yeah. So it's interesting. So so for the last seven years through our conferences, registrar training, when there's always a presentation on the fever, the returning traveller, and emerging pathogens. And so there's always been a PowerPoint slide 
on the next respiratory viral illness, be it coronavirus or flu. So in some ways, we we knew this. Wow. This is not unexpected. I, I can remember one of our consultants at Newcastle gave our regional talk, and it was the day that uh, I think it was the New York Times had an article on the on a novel coronavirus in Wuhan, and we joked, "Oh, this could be the next Span- this could be the next Spanish flu." And guess what? It was, wasn't it? Um, so it has been interesting. Um, again, a little, even though we're immunology themed, Newcastle, again, are really lucky. So we are one of two pediatric high consequence infectious diseases centers. So we, we were on standby for Ebola. So when we didn't know what coronavirus meant for pediatrics, all the patients were admitted to Newcastle, London. So I, so I saw the first pediatric patients in the UK mm. by coincidence. And so, obviously, the, the, as we now know, the, the patient was absolutely, she was absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, but it was a really fantastic learning opportunity to, because this is going to happen again, about emerging pathogens, infection control, and especially in pediatrics. Uh, so this never happened, but we, we thought about it for Ebola. So what, obviously, with children, their carers are their parents. So what would happen if a child with Ebola was admitted to one of our units in the UK, what would ha- where would the parent go? Mm. And you can imagine the chat. We never got an answer to that. Uh, and so it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, and that was really interesting because it, it will happen again within our lifetime. There will be a new emerging pathogen. Mm. And uh, as, infe- as certainly as, infe- as infectious diseases doctors, uh, if you choose a speciality, you will be involved in that decision-making. Absolutely. Yeah. They will come to you. And it's a challenge. It's really interesting. Um, and then, yes, and, and then the second part of that um, is now dealing, obviously now, since September, obviously, since there's just been more transmission, people are anxious about pediatric COVID. Mm. And it is about, and it's, it is a challenge as a, if you do go, any tertiary pediatric specialist service. I'm sure it's all a challenge, isn't it? Trying to, trying to give advice and manage patients remotely. And so that's that's a challenge at the minute. We get, we get a lot of phone calls about PIMS TS. Yeah. And it is a challenge to manage these patients over the phone. Is it PIMS TS? Is it not? Uh, and so that that's the that's the latest challenge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, PIMS TSs have been very subtle, and it's really hard to make that decision when you got the patient face to face. Let alone exactly. Like, yeah. Let alone you on the other side of the phone trying to trying to to guess it from there. Yeah. And then our, 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 our biggest worry always is whenever we go on the phone is of course. It might not be PIMS TS. Yes. Yeah. You know, we have seen patients with sepsis, or, like or we, we've yeah. seen ruptured. I've seen a ruptured appendix diagnosed wow. as PIMS TS yes, um, originally. So, yeah, I'll def- yeah, we're definitely in the last four weeks. Yeah, fair amount of phone calls. Um, mm. If I can do, bring as you say, if you can see them face to face, it's a challenge then. But at least I can see them. But it is a challenge, and that is something I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the next six months is going to bring. But that, that that's been our latest challenge. Oh, well, thank you for a very fasc- fascinating digression. Sorry, um, I-, I could talk for hours about this sort of thing. We'll yeah. get back back on topic for now. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of coming back to training, so yeah. are, um, are there any specific requirements that the trainees need to have achieved by the end of their grid training? Yes, by the end of grid training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's it, it is it's fully curriculum based, and it's it's split into immunology ID. And actually, so even though you don't see CT in allergy, that, so allergy is a separate training program, there are some competences in allergy. So it, it's 
allergy compared to perhaps my niche speciality, obviously there was a massive demand on allergy. Mm-hmm. And so it's not unheard of at all for especially newly qualified consultants to cross cover allergy service. Mm-hmm. So definitely um, you, you will have to do some allergy training um, to cover at least the basic competencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, infectious diseases, so yes, it's mainly competency-based, covering all the common things, uh, T, you know, things like TB and antimicrobial stewardship. If you're not in London, you'll have to go to London, at least or, or remotely or in person, to do some HIV training. And so, and, and so that's a mandatory requirement and there are courses for that. And I say, yeah, and then immunology. And with that, if you're not at Newcastle, you'll have to spend some time in Great Ormond, or Newcastle for perhaps two weeks to get that training uh, as well. Um, wow. Um, and I suppose that the big question that a lot of people who are considering GRID will have, yeah. particularly those who aren't lucky enough to be based in Newcastle or, or Great Ormond Street, is, you know, the chances of me getting exposed to this specialty pre-applying for GRID is pretty minimal. So... Uh, are there, can, have you, can you think of any ways where trainees can maybe show an interest in the area or perhaps gain some experience? Yeah, of course. So uh, absolutely. So first, yeah, so you know, so you look at absolutely, when you go to your grid interview, it's, it's obviously well expected that the majority of people, especially applying to perhaps more immunology, will not have had any experience. I think infectious diseases, you can get experience, actually. So actually, I, th- I think there will be a tertiary hospital within your region. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think it'd be very important to try and get rotation within that department. We have a small community. So even though it's immunology ID, everybody does, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small speciality. We all know everybody. And so I think what, what they're looking for is commitment and interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, not particular individual knowledge or even projects. In it. They want commitment and interest. And so I do think it's important to do a rotation. And that can idea of immunology, uh, I think that can be arranged. And then from that, I say it's, it's about commitment. So I think if po- I think if possible, a project related to idea immunology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one thing, that, and then for, again from that, again one thing I didn't quite realise. No matter, no matter no matter the project, if it's complete and it's good quality, get it published or in an abstract or at a, or a conference. And again, that shows further commitment. I think attend. I think attending or joining um, the relevant societies. So there's the British Paediatric Allergy Immunology Infectious Diseases Group. Mm-hmm. Twenty pounds a year to join, and you can join all the conferences for that. And, that, and, and, and from ST one or ST eight, we all go to that. I'd recommend that. Yeah. Um, there's European Center, the European Society for Infectious Disease, Immunology, and ESPID, the paediatric counterpart. Again, cheap to join. Um, about twenty or thirty pounds. Uh, and again, that, that that's that's that, 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 that's one thing I did that showed interest as well. I think also I think certainly um, if you wanted to if you wanted to do immunology, which again I, I appreciate can be a little bit harder, I think it'd be absolutely perfectly reasonable to contact Newcastle or London mm-hmm. for some time. So we, we are always accepting um, clinical fellows, visiting fellows. I think we've probably got a new person each week. I would say as an observer. Yeah, uh, and so I'm not sure about Great Ormsby, but certainly we'd be very welcome to if, if you if you get the time off locally to have you for one or two weeks as an observer, and we do that we do that for national and international uh, clinicians as well. Uh, and I think when you're coming up to grid training, also you know where those posts are, and a bit like just like for a consultant, you must let the, you must let the centre know that you're applying to that job, and but you, and just to introduce yourself. 
and put your name out there. Um, I, I think I think it is a benefit when you go to the interview if the panel know who you are. And I think if you've been to conferences, joined societies, and just sent a few emails out, it's a small community. There's not many of us. We all know everybody. And I think, that it, and again, just showing that commitment is a major benefit when it comes to the interview. That's really helpful. Thank you. And that, that's interesting. I've noticed this a few times with different um, grid subspecialties where it's a very small, if yeah. it's a really niche community. I think we had the same thing with pharmacology and maybe even metabolic diseases yeah, as well. I, I think we exactly there's so. such small communities. You kind of, you almost need to get your name in there before, you know, because so, they say, you know, if, if someone's applying and they've never heard of this person before, it almost takes them by surprise because it's like, how have you avoided us all? Because there's only a few of us to begin yeah. with. Because I think we're looking for is commitment. Because I think on two on two marks, one, it's it's extremely likely for your grid job you'll have to. I was very lucky, I didn't, but it's very likely you'll have to move for your grid job. Mm. And then two, there's a further challenge when it comes to consultant posts. Mm. And I have been very very lucky. Well, the, very, very lucky, but also yeah, clearly very, very talented yeah, and very yeah, deserving. Yeah, that the job came up and and, yeah. and I was the person they were looking for. But yeah. I, I will put it out there that, yeah, this is the only post that came up for me. Hmm. Um, and every, everybody recognises that. And so certainly it, it is very likely for the first two or three years after your CCT, there may be challenges hmm. in securing your 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 dream consulting job it will come but it the, it might not come at your cct and obviously by, we've all got by that point lots of us have got families and children etc so i think j- just to let people be aware um saying that, say, that that's true across the board yeah. really. even if you're a general pediatric person exactly yeah that might not come yeah. up right, right when you cct and uh, if you say, certainly uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Same for all trainees. Uh, all, all trainees. When you when you get to what when you get to this stage, you, you're, whatever you're doing, you've got to that stage because you really, really enjoy it. Actually, don't you? It's interesting is it, yeah, life gets harder. But I, I'm working harder than I have done before. But it's because, but I'm definitely enjoying what I do more than ever before. And so yeah, the stakes are higher. But uh, uh, but yeah, I really, really enjoy it. Amazing. So so um, if you, I think you've already touched on a few of these things already. As it happens, Ben. And but I thought we'd move into the actual sort of like application and point scoring part of the process. Yeah. So do you have to start off with, do you have any general advice you would offer for people? I mean, you have already touched on a few of these yeah. things already, but for if they're applying for immunology and ID grid, yeah. like any general pointers to get them going in the right direction. So it's probably two things. So, so one thinking about the form is probably the first part, isn't it? Yeah, I think what can, what can I put on the form? And, and, and it's, it's similar to most generic forms. So, so the, the, they're talking about uh, well, one clinical experience, mm-hmm. and so um, and transferable skills. I remember one thing I talked about wasn't just my knowledge. I talked about how my neonatal training was applicable, and so I was thinking about that. So I'd, I'd done a few projects in neonates, just demonstrating clinical skills, etc. So um, yeah, do some interesting jobs that you can think about some transferable skills. Um, They'll be scoring points on teaching and definitely getting to a point now, it, it, rather than ST1, it, it's not bedside teaching. Mm. So if you can do get involved, get involved in teaching, get formal feedback, do formal teaching. Uh, if you can, I, I did it. If you could, you know, if you can do, you know, a formal teaching qualification is going to score you lots of points at grid and consultant interview, mm. especially if you're not, because I think often it's either that or research. And I'd definitely pick one. To get you those points, um, 
so I went down. So the other thing would be research, and that, 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 that's that's the route I went down. Hmm. Um, but again, even before doing a higher degree, um, I got plenty of my non-immunology audits, QI projects, either I saw, you know polished up with support, etc. Either at conferences, and it, it's easier than it's easier than you think. Hmm. And a couple of them I did get published into manuscripts. Again, it takes work, but it's re- but again, that can be done. That's going to score you a lot of points at the interview as well uh, on the form. Mm. If you can do, and again, it's probably if you want to, it's something worth exploring. You know, perhaps ST two, ST three, if we've integrated before, a high, you know, time out for a formal higher research, uh, a higher research degree, being an MD or a PhD. Mm. That if you if you can get that organised, and it's I appreciate it's very difficult. That is going to put you on a very, very strong advantage at the interview, mm-hmm. if you can do that. Um, again, it, it shows commitment, but again, it's putting your name out there, and it gives you more time to get points on your CV. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I would say, again, something I worked on, and again, it's all comes about consultants. So again, management and leadership. So again, they are looking for the next set of consultants. It is a, it is a, I'm sure as you know, it's a step up from your ST one interview. Mm-hmm. They are definitely looking for those skills as a consultant. And so, again, when I say management and leadership, so not just designing the rotor, but being actively involved in some committees, be it, I don't know, the regional training committee, for instance. That's one thing I did. I worked on the regional training committee. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, I was very looking. So, so, obviously, I did my PhD before applying for my grid training. And that, that gave me three years not only to do research, but I could do other projects to put on my CV. Mm-hmm. And so I got involved in some immunology-specific committees. And that was really, and again, that, that was a particular selling point. Wow, that's really helpful. Um, I suppose uh, one thing I, I I wonder, you know, you you've met all the other trainees doing uh, immunology and, and infectious disease. Do all of them have like PhDs and MDs under their belts just to help put put things in context for those? So, so I think with well. immunology and ID, yes, a fair few mm. do, or at least yeah. have done by the time they CCT. Mm. So yes, I think it'd be fair to say we this speciality even. It is a research, yeah. It is a research-heavy speciality, even for those. Uh, so, so we have a yeah. There, there are there are a number of ac- you know uh, academic trainees, but I am not an academic trainee. So I'm not a, an ACL uh, mm. now. But yes, it, it, it yes, there, there are definitely quite uh, a, a high proportion of people who have done MD and PhDs even before applying for grid interviews. That's really. Um, and there are I, certain I, specialties that seem to lean towards, and it. it sounds like yours is one of them. Yeah, if if, if you're not going, uh, there are definitely people who haven't, uh, mm. or have done, and then have done it during their grid training. Uh, mm. And and again, it's something that if you haven't done before, you got the job as registrar. It's something that's probably quite important that you do before your CCT. Mm. It's something that's definitely wanted on the consultant interview it's, wow. it's, it's a highly desirable it, it, active interest in research i'm pretty sure all the consultants at newcastle have at least an md yeah i'm I mean, pretty sure to be fair if you're working in one of the 10 centers in the world yeah. that you do, do like curative because, bone it, because it, it, we, even for infectious diseases you, you are it's a speciality where you are heavily dependent on research and novel findings covid is a clear example of that mm. there is no guideline and so you do need to be able you know on a daily basis especially during covid to be able to know what the latest research is and be able to and be able to properly critically appraise that so critical appraisal is definitely a large thing 
And again, the lot of, the lot of skills I got through critical appraisal is because I did my own research and people critically appraised my work. Yeah. And that's the skills. Yes, I would say it's something that I would strongly look towards some type of research. Yeah. Excellent. That's really I, helpful. Thank yeah. you. Go on. Sorry, you have to be like. Yes. So for those who are, it is it is hard. So to get to get funding, etc. So um, it can be done. Uh, so I did it with no. Re- so that I did it with no research experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but people will in the speciality. If you're keen, you will absolutely get the support. They are. That's the one thing I would say. Uh, I'm not, can't, we don't know what the specialities, but all the consultants in the UK. If you're keen, they are very. They will go out of their way to support you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find that when you were um, organising your own research, was it a case of having mentors to help you well, to drive you in the right direction? I think it's I think it's essential. Yeah, I think it's so niche. The cooks, uh, yeah. So to my, to my supervisor at the end of my rotation, uh, so they, they, they knew they, they knew pretty early on that I really enjoyed it. I was like, so how do I do it? And he said, well, you, you probably have to get a PhD. I was like, so, so what's a PhD? Good to it. He goes right, right. Here we go. And so, in particular, what 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 it, what he did was, um, so one of his previous Ember students hadn't written up their data as a manuscript. So my first job was to write up their data as a manuscript and publish that. So that was one good project. Uh, and then he helped steer me towards a project that he was interested in and the funding along that. But that that process took from ST two to ST five mm. to get that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Without that, I, you, you you couldn't have done it on your own. Yeah. yeah without his help you know it's a step-by-step help yeah it's absolutely mentorship absolutely essential and and that's all this, that's the same all the way through not just grid training but your career so i i will still have my colleagues in newcastle i'm sure yeah. uh to fall back on for mentorship yeah no thank, thanks for helping with that because i think a lot of trainees particularly if you mention research and phds and timeout and funding I think loads of them find uh, find the idea of all that really daunting, but the, particularly the subspecialties that seem to have a lot of emphasis on having research. So your own and respiratory, I think, is really research heavy as yeah. well. I think uh, what I found across the board is actually because they do research so regularly, because so, it's such an in- essential part of their careers, actually helping trainees to get into it is almost part and parcel of... Yeah, the and and they are they are often used to because there'll be two routes, won't there? That there'll be the traditional academic trainees intercalated, mm-hmm. done their ACF, and they'll probably they'll, they'll be on their way. They'll, they'll be talking to the academic consultant in that department, and they're not sorted, but they're on their way. Yeah, but there's a fair crux of other trainees like me who just need to get some research, and so that they are well prepared. Yeah. to support those trainees who have no research experience whatsoever and don't know how to apply to NHR, what, what these what these abbreviations mean. And so, yeah. you, you, but you have to j- just ask. They will support you. Amazing. Right, lovely. Thank, thanks, Ben. Um, so, I mean, that's covered a lot of the sort of like application side of the process. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention there before we move on to the, the, the dreaded interview? No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, in terms of the interview... Um, you know, let's say, let, so we've got a very keen applicant who's been successful, they've got their score, the interview's been scheduled for a month's time, they're starting to panic a bit. What, 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 can, they, what can they do to get themselves ready? Yeah, so it is, it is an absolute panic. Uh, so their last interview, unless they've applied for a visa, you know, it's been on a, on a, um, 
a research funding body. This will be their first, you could call it grown-up interview since SD1. And it is a it is a major step up, absolutely. So, obviously, mine was pre-COVID. So, I went down to the college and had seven people on a big table on a panel. It felt very, very grown-up all of a sudden, didn't it? Mm. Um, so, there's, there's definitely a few things. Uh, one, there's some very good books out there. Um, so, you do, you have to know how to structure your answers and, and what the, and what what are they trying to ask you? So I use, the, there's a book by ISC. I forget, I forget, uh, the, 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 it's a company that offer medical interviews, but I use them for my consultant interview practice and their book is excellent. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend their book and uh, lots of people use it. Again, in terms of practicing interviews, um, there'll be, I, so I didn't practice with anyone within our department, um, partly because some of them were on the interview panel, so it'd be a conflict. Uh, but there'll be, there'll, there'll be other tertiary consultants who absolutely... So, so I did practice interviews with some of the renal consultants mm-hmm. uh, who've obviously interviewed their own applicants. Uh, and so that's definitely a major thing. Uh, you'll, it's very, the questions are completely predictable. So if, um, if you ask any of the previous trainees, they will tell you what the, answer, the questions are going to be broadly divided in. And they'll essentially be your clinical exp- your your CV. It, they'll, mm-hmm. Somehow they'll ask you a question about your CV, but they won't. But they won't word it that way. And that's what's important to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll want to ask about any relevant teaching, management, and research and publications. There'll be a, there'll be a clinical case, uh, but it'll be, it'll be straightforward. So don't don't worry about that. It'll be, they're not again. They're not expecting anyone to have done these rotations. So it'll be straightforward, and there'll be a critical appraisal question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are my those those are my stations in my in my thing, and so certainly practicing them. Uh, I, I so, so I structured those questions well in advance. Practice. I think so. I must have done three or four interviews with the this renal consultant beforehand. I mean, we had a group of us at the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, about three weeks practicing those interview skills. Yeah. Uh, so before my um, my grid interview. I remember, I think they sent me the headings of what they were going to be asked. Like, they didn't tell you the exact question, but they said, okay. these are the four areas we're going to be interviewing you on. Did you get something similar, or is it just this was a known pattern of what came I don't, I don't think we did, but it's, it's, a, it's a known pattern, yeah. uh, and it's completely predictable. In some ways, it's similar to a consultant interview. The, the, the broad questions are going to be the, the same. Yeah, yeah, because every category you mentioned then were the same things that came up yeah. to me in for the PEM grade. It was, you know, your clinical experience. Here's a case. Um, tell me about a, a research or quality improvement. Pro- yeah, so it's very, very similar sort of. Oh, and team, teamwork always comes up. That's another one. Yeah, that, that was the final one. MDTs and teamwork, that always yeah. comes up in some description. That, yeah, fab, lovely. Um, so, uh, how long was your interview? How long did it all take? Uh, includes, including, so, so we went down in the morning. We were given, I think it was, so we, and it had to sit in a room. There was eight of us with sweaty hands reading this one paper. So that was about 45 minutes, everyone in silence around this table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then called up. So the interview process itself was, I think, 40, 45 minutes in total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, uh, with, with about seven people on the panel, one of whom I knew from Newcastle. Wow. That's, that's a quite a, a long interview. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, oh wow. Um, so g- getting back to the questions, do you can you recall any of the? Did you have any specific structures that you had in mind for any of your questions? Like, yeah. Um, any, any acronyms you found useful or, or ways you did uh, use to approach things? Yeah. So the CV, the same, same for my consultant one. The CV, the, the 
tell us about yourself or whatever. The, the, so I use the, I use the CAMP um, abbreviation for CV, so clinical, academic, management, and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use that. So again, I uh, I'd highly recommend um, that. Um, and then again for the team working skills. Um, again, I, I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head what what categories I use, but but I, again, I went back to that, that ISC book. Mm-hmm. To, to, to teaching because because as I've alluded to, I think getting research or teaching is imp- mm-hmm. one of them is important for points. And I went down to research, so my, my my teaching wasn't particularly strong. Mm-hmm. So I did have to spend a bit of time structuring that to sell that a bit more because I did not have that much formal teaching experience. Yeah, the research is relatively easy, so I'd done a lot by then. So I almost didn't have to. I, I'd I'd had that talk so many times in the last three years, I could reel off my research experience quite quickly. And then management again. So I talked about the committees, and then what I'd learned and how I'm going to apply that to my future career. So that's what, out of all those things, that's the one they want to know is what have you learned, and what are you going to bring then to a future job as a registrar and a consultant from that particular project? It, so even if it wasn't immunology themed, what skills can you you know can you bring to that? Amazing. Um, did you have any other hints or tips about, for the interview that we haven't covered already? I don't think so. D- definitely practice. Mm. Um, they definitely don't want. Again, it's similar kind of interviews. You. So one thing. So I only put bullet points down. Don't practice your answers verbatim, mm. for two reasons. One, the question will never be exactly the same, mm. and it's just and it's not what they're looking for. That they're it's not it's, it's not it's not about right or wrong answers. They're looking for somebody who's going to fit their bill. Mm. So they want somebody approachable who can you know think on the spot and it, it is just reading verbatim. Is that that's the tricky part of the interview, isn't it? it? Like practicing an answer verbatim just it sounds awful in an interview, but at the same time you need enough of a structure so as when you're forming an answer yeah. you yeah. don't sound like you're just floundering. So yeah, that's what, that's why I limited myself to like three or four practice interviews and then mm. nothing more after that. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so I think I just shut off for a week and then just looked at my notes the night before. I went back into it because it just, if you think about too much, you, you just get these verbatim answers in your head and you can just fall into trouble with that, I think. Wow, lovely. Well, um, thank you very much, Ben. That was, I think that was all the, all I was going to ask you, but did you have any any final thoughts before I, <laughs> before I bring things to a close? I, I thoughtly recommend this speciality for anyone. I think, I think it's absolutely amazing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like any speciality, it, it is, it, it, like, it will get hard. Uh, you get older, you'll have your family, you know, a lot of us will have families by that point. Um, so you'll end up working more, but a lot of that's because you really want to. So just to warn your spouses and children, I think I spend more time working now because I actually, but I want to do that. It's really Lovely. interesting. Yeah, I think we all. I think no matter which specialty you go into, I think yeah. if you fall in love with a specialty, you kind of accept that it's part of your life at that stage, don't you? I'm not, I'm not sure my wife has, but yes, I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fab. Well, thank you very much, Ben. That's been really helpful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you for taking some time off to, to to chat to us. Yeah, you're welcome, sir. And I just wanted to say thank you to Ben for taking time out of his busy schedule to speak to us. Hopefully for those of you who are interested in an infectious disease or immunology grid training program, this will help you get an idea about how to apply for it. Anyway, join us again next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.